All right. Well, good morning, everyone. I want to maximize our time with our speaker, so I'm going to get started. So thank you all very much for joining us on this lovely Sunday morning. We're so pleased to have with us as our speaker, Kim Sayet, who is the director of the Smithsonian's National Portrait Gallery, the very first woman to serve in this important position, incidentally. By taking a cross-disciplinary approach that merges the traditional forms of painting, sculpture, drawing, and printmaking with poetry, installation art, video, and performance, she aims to make the past personal and to deepen our understanding of how people have changed the course of history. Before this appointment, Dr. Sayed served as the president and CEO of the Historical Society of Pennsylvania, the vice president and deputy director of the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, and the director of corporate relations at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. She brings, we were just talking about this, a global perspective to her work, having been born in Nigeria, raised in Australia, and being a citizen still of the Netherlands. <laughs> she earned a BA from Melbourne University, two master's degrees, including one in art history from Bryn Mawr, and her doctorate from here in Georgetown. With that, please join me in welcoming Kim Sayed. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and I'm so excited to be here. So I'm going to take you on a bit of a rollicking speed date through the portrait gallery. And where possible, I, I, it's always helpful to me when I do these kind of events because I try and think of the audience, and I, I did a little bit of looking too into um, religion and how we actually, how Christianity, particularly Episcopalians, have impacted uh, portraiture. And if it gets too long, you're welcome to run screaming from the building. But let's start actually with a little bit of a, um, an overview of, about the people who are inside the museum. So let's see if this works. Okay. Oh. Okay. Now, how does that, why is that not going? Get that sound a little bit higher, please. Thank you.
So in case you're wondering, that is Annie Leibovitz's portrait of Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> so it's actually a pretty curious place when you think about it and how the history of the portrait gallery came to be. It was actually founded by Congress in uh, 1962 and opened in 1968. And um, it was the site of the old patent office. Uh, Lumfant, when he um, was planning uh, the grid for Washington, called it the Temple of Invention. And you can see the likenesses with the Parthenon there in, um, in Athens, um, the, the, the similarities. Um, it was very much actually a Cold War era gesture, and I, I find it actually fascinating. I mean, you know, Congress had been talking for a long time about having this thing called a portrait gallery going all the way back to the 1930s, so no big surprise, it was probably pretty timely that they opened in 1968, right? Um, but, you know, we always talk about regular time, and then we talk about Smithsonian Standard Time, and this was kind of in that realm. Um, but it was interesting because when the, when the building did finally open, it was um, at a moment of um, a lot of turmoil. But before that, it actually was the patent office. It's where people could register their invention. We like to say that people, uh, America's greatest invention has been its people. And it was actually already tied up in some form of identity politics before it ever became a museum. So for example, there on the left-hand side, you have Clara Barton, who was a, a clerk in the patent office, and she was, what, she was the first woman to get a full-time sal federal salary equal to a man. However, when this was discovered by the powers that be, she lost her job, everybody went hysterical because only Clara knew how things actually worked, and she got hired back, actually, but at a lesser salary um, than what she had before. But of course, in the meantime, she set up the, uh, the Red Cross and the, uh, soldier, the home for missing soldiers um, just down the road. But also, actually, was Walt Whitman, who we used to, when I first arrived, um, used to think that he had to be in absolutely every exhibition that we did. His spirit is very much part of the building. Uh, he went looking for his brother during the Civil War and actually found him uh, in the patent office that had been converted to a hospital for that period. Um, he, as you know, um, spent a great deal of time nursing the sick and being kind of like the uh, a Civil War version of a candy striper, uh, writing letters home for the often illiterate soldiers and, of course, writing poetry. But then he actually came back to the building and was hired as a clerk in the Department of the Interior. He was working in the Department of Indian Affairs. When he was found as the author of that piece of pornography, leaves of grass of which an early version was found in a desk drawer and he was similarly dismissed. So both of these people actually were in our building. They're now in their ha-ha, the joke's on them, they're now um, very important Americans. Um, but you can see how they bucked the status quo. Okay. There we go. So as you can see, the museum was actually founded during the time of President Kennedy. And of course, after he was killed, um, it is opened um, by President Lyndon Baines Johnson. And it's actually an interesting time because, sorry, let me go back. Oh, now it's jumping ahead. <laughs> okay. 
Um, as you know, 1968 was one of the worst years that the United States ever experienced. We had the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Robert Kennedy, and of course we were in Vietnam. So you can see there that there is a poster in the collection that says, bring the, the troops home now. Um, and there was this moment when they opened the building um, that they, and the brief set by Congress is to collect the people who have uh, made an impact on US history and culture, good and bad. I use that word impact or contribution very deliberately because we have Al Capone, for example, and John Wilkes Booth who killed Lincoln. Um, and I like to say there's no moral test to be in the portrait gallery because then nobody would actually be there. Um, but in fact, it's sort of interesting because this is the idea, and in fact, we're about um, 152 years later than the portrait gallery that was set up in, um, in England where they have all those kings and queens, those little princes and princesses. Um, and we didn't have that, right? But of course, there was a sense of, um, you know, um, American exceptionalism that we all know today is deeply flawed. So um, portraiture favoured those who could vote, white men who owned land. So no big surprise, ladies, only 25% of the collection are of women. And then when you get to other minorities, such as African Americans, Native Americans, if you were Jewish, if you were disabled, if you were Muslim, the numbers um, drop uh, markedly. But there was also a moment too where um, when they, it wasn't until 2001 that we could collect living people. So in the concept of spirituality, you had to be dead, <laughs> very dead. You actually had to be dead 10 years dead. Um, and we changed that and now collect contemporary art. But this is what was happening at the time that the museum opened. In fact, there were troops roaming the streets at the time of that other picture with uh, Johnson. Uh, because of the, um, sorry, it keeps jumping around. By the way, the moon's coming. Um, uh, because um, of, the de the, the, of the race riots that were happening in, literally in our streets after the death of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, but this is what else was happening. This is a time of deep social change uh, where people were questioning what does it mean to be American? What does it mean to be a leader? Who gets included? Who is excluded? And you can see here whether it was sort of the Mexican Olympics and the power movement uh, there with Tommy Smith and John Carlos or the women's movement or the transgender movement and the gay movement. There was a lot of ferment happening at the time that this museum opened. But this is what um, the, and I always sort of uh, comfort myself that um, Congress will um, uh, never actually let us go away. They might not decide to um, uh, support us quite to the level we'd like, but they're never, and so they're willing to starve us, but they're never gonna let us go away because they wanna be there. Um, and, and also going, so this is kind of what they were expecting, right? And this is what, when we actually opened in 1968, there was something like 35 presidents, um, of which only 16 portraits could be found, keeping in mind that we're actually very young, we're only a little over 50 years old. And what they really wanted was the, the guys, still the guys, on the money, right? And so here you see examples of portraits in our collection and how they relate if you're lucky enough to have a $100 bill, that's Ben Franklin um, there. But just going back a bit, because this slide refuses to stay in its spot. This is also the moment, just to keep an awareness, there we go again, um, where, um, I'm gonna keep doing this, where, let me just explain it to 